This podcast is not intended for use as psychotherapy. If you feel you are in crisis, please call 911 or contact your local crisis hotline. Hi, this is Dana. Welcome back to Phoenix and Flame, my podcast on pushing through and transforming even when you feel like a pile of ash. Last episode, I talked about how our feelings are our responsibility to manage and how ignoring them does not work so well. Well, this episode, I would like to chat about how we sometimes let our feelings rule over us, which is the opposite end of the spectrum from ignoring them. Now, neither behavior pattern is taking ownership of our feelings. And our feelings, by the way, are in our yard. And we talked about this on one of the prior episodes. In our yard are are our feelings, our thoughts, our behavior, our choices. We are responsible for those things. Having your feelings be in control of everything, um, letting them rule over us, is kind of like letting kids drive the car. I mean, if you can imagine you're going down the road, possibly the interstate, and you're driving, and maybe you're two or three kids that are, you know, they're sitting in the back seat, and you love them. But I dare say you would not pull over on the side of the road and proceed to get out of your car and then open the back door and say, here, kids, it's your turn now. I'd like for you to file out of the car here and jump in the front seat and drive us on down the interstate. That would be like crazy talk, right? (laughs) I mean, we would never do that. But yet, it's amazing how sometimes we get in situations where we let our feelings rule the decisions that we make. Uh, We let them rule our behavior. Now, feelings um, are neither right or wrong good or bad. They're just feelings. Um, I like to tell people in in my practice that, you know, feelings are sort of like messengers sent to give you some information about what's going on with you and, and how you're responding to your surroundings. Now, just like your children in the car, you love your kids, but you don't let them drive the car. With our feelings, feelings are good things. Um, Sometimes people who ignore their feelings because of things they've gone through in their past, they haven't had the experience of feelings being very positive. But feelings are part of us, just like our arms and our legs and our eyes. They're part of us, and they are good things. And we want to appreciate and, and enjoy our feelings, but we cannot let them drive the car. So then I guess we need to think about when... And why do our emotions, do our feelings, I will use those two words interchangeably, why do they take over? I would like to share something that I learned in a workshop, and I want to give her credit. Courtney Armstrong is a licensed professional counselor, and um, she's a very good instructor and um, is very supportive and has a lot of good materials out there. She has one book called The Therapeutic Aha. Highly recommend 
you know, if anybody wants to read up on those types of things, it's very informative. But one of the things that um, she was talking about at one point was our animal brain. And if you were to take two pens, take one pen, like a writing pen, and put it in your ear, like hypothetically, obviously, and the other one in your eye. Now, clearly don't do this, but if hypothetically, if you were to take those and you were to push them into your head, where they would meet in the middle is where your amygdala and hippocampus lie. This is the area of your brain that has been called the animal brain. The function of your animal brain as it pertains to emotions and this type of thing is basically to deal with trauma, to help keep us safe. Let's imagine for just a moment that you have a sandbox in the floor in front of you, like a nice square sandbox. And I would like for you to imagine that the sandbox is full of sand and it's been leveled off on the top. It's just nice and smooth. Now imagine that you go to the edge of your yard and you get a stick and you come back to your sandbox and you lay the stick gently on the sand and you pull it across the sand toward you. Now the line that the stick leaves in the sand is your typical neuronal pathway uh, for a regular memory, a regular experience. Like say, for example, you move to a new town and you tried out a new road and discovered that the road was a dead end. So the next day, you do not turn down that road because you remember, your brain remembers that experience from the day before, that it was a dead end. And so you don't go down that road again. Now let's imagine that you go up to your garage and you get a hoe. And you bring down the hoe and you hold it up over your head and you smack it down into the sand and you grab the handle with both hands and you jerk that hoe across the sand. Do you see the huge gash that it leaves behind in the sand? That would be like the neuronal pathway of a traumatic memory in your amygdala and uh, the hippocampus in that area of your brain. That part of your brain, the animal brain, its job is to protect you. It has no sense of time. So what happens is that we might experience something uh, here in the year 2020, and it sounds or smells or feels like a trauma that happened 30 years ago. Well, your animal brain will pick up on that. That huge gash that's left behind in the sand is in the amygdala, and it remembers. It remembers everything about that trauma. And so what happens is that we get triggered by something. Like I said, maybe it's something that a, a person's voice or frequently a smell, a scent of a, a perfume or an aftershave or a, a type of soap or a type of detergent there's all these different kinds of smells that will trigger people. And the amygdala, if it picks up on something that it feels like is anything like that original trauma, then we get thrown back and we feel as if it's happening all over again because the animal brain does not have any sense of time. It also does not communicate uh, in terms of logic and reasoning. 
there's another part of your brain called the neocortex that is sort of above your forehead there. Uh, It's your frontal lobe there. And that's the part of your brain that is excellent at uh, organizing your thoughts and feelings, categorizing your thoughts and feelings, using logic, using reasoning. But when you are triggered, when something happens and your amygdala is alerted that a trauma may be getting ready to happen all over again, like it did 30 years ago, your neocortex flips offline. And you become, at that point, driven by your animal brain. It's very much like the fight or flight action that happens. It's very, very fast. That part of your brain is very strong and it's very fast. Um, To give you an example, imagine you're walking along um, a hike and, you know, you're just walking along. It's, it's sunny. You're, there's trees all around you and there's a path and you're walking along the path and you happen to see in your peripheral vision something dark and serpentine to your right. Now, you know exactly what's going to happen. Uh-huh. You are going to be jumping four feet to your left before you've even had a thought. And that's exactly what happens because that animal brain kicks in, your fight or flight kicks in, and you've already acted before you're, you've even processed a thought because you thought it was a snake. Turned out it wasn't a snake. Turned out it was just a sinuous-looking limb. But that's how fast and how strong that part of your brain is. Well, that part of your brain is also what holds trauma. So I'm explaining all this so that you can kind of understand when someone is just tooling along in 2020, let's say they, they smell someone's aftershave. The aftershave smells exactly like the aftershave of someone uh, who raped them 30 years ago. Then at that moment, they are likely going to get triggered and their emotions are going to just take over. They're going to be flipped into fight or flight. And, and what they say and do at that, at that time is not going to be logical or reasonable because that part of their brain has flipped offline for the moment. Another example of our feelings just taking over and ruling us would be if somebody has a significant mood disorder, you know, some kind of dysfunction going on with them that involves significant mood swings for different reasons. Maybe you are someone who has this dysfunction that you're dealing with. Maybe you know somebody that does. Some examples might be uh, bipolar disorder, um, borderline personality disorder. These are just two that I can think of that involve some pretty significant mood shifting. Sometimes these individuals and sometimes other people, just for different reasons, are having a lot of mood shifting around and they are using those moods to try to control a situation and sometimes they are using the moods to manipulate other people uh, with loud scary emotions. If you happen to be one of those individuals that struggle with bipolar disorder or borderline personality disorder that can be scary to experience as well. You know to be in a situation where all of a sudden the feelings just feel like they're taking over. They feel like they're ruling you Logic and and reasoning go right out the window. It's really not very pleasant. It's not pleasant for the person who's experiencing it. It's not pleasant for the people around them. 
So when you talk about these situations, and I'm sure there's many others, I just brought up a few, you know, whether someone has been triggered and their animal brain has taken over, um, whether they're struggling with a significant mood disorder, um, anything like that, maybe they might be somebody who maybe they're not, you know, struggling with a mood disorder necessarily. Maybe it's just their personality where they are just allowing the feelings to rule them and take over because maybe they've noticed over time it gets them what they want. I don't know. There's lots of different reasons why this might happen. I started to think about this and and imagining different questions that might be posed by individuals listening. And one of the questions would be, so considering all of this, does, does the person who is experiencing these big, big feelings that have taken over and, and are ruling them, do they get a free pass to let their emotions just run amok through the neighborhood, especially if they've been diagnosed with a mental illness? You know, does that mean that since they have a diagnosis or some such thing that they can just do whatever they want and the feelings can do whatever they want? Again, almost all the time, this situation where feelings are just ruling a person and taking over, it is really not particularly pleasant for either person, for the person who's experiencing the excessive emotions or the person who is on the other side receiving it. Part of boundaries is being responsible for our feelings. And so I guess you might imagine that the answer to the question, does someone get a free pass? to let their out-of-control feelings just run amok through the neighborhood, uh, wreaking havoc on everybody else's yards, do they get that free pass? Uh, Well, no, not unless you give it to them. There's lots of different neighbors in a neighborhood, and some neighbors are going to give them a free pass. Those neighbors might be codependent. Those neighbors might come up with one excuse after another why this person should be able to do whatever they want to with their feelings. And you can kind of see that argument. You know, they're thinking, well, bless their heart. They've been, they're trying to, they're struggling. And they are with, you know, bipolar disorder or borderline personality disorder or whatever the case may be. And that's tough. And it is. And so let's just give them a break. But keep following in this in this podcast because we're going to talk about patterns later on because there definitely is a place to give somebody a break, to just understand that they're having a hard time and they're maybe they're trying, maybe they're not. I don't know. We can talk about that later. But that's something that each person in that neighborhood gets to decide for themselves. But it is, you know, these things are difficult when feelings are ruling somebody it's not really pleasant for anybody around. So you think about it. So like, what is it like being in a relationship with somebody whose emotions might lash out at the slightest provocation? What is it like for that person? What is it like for the one they're in a relationship with? When the feelings are ruling the person, Like I said, remember back of the analogy of letting the kids drive the car. What would it be like if you were to let the kids drive the car and you got in the back seat 
And they're up there that you got one kid pushing on the accelerator because the other kid that's driving and there's their feet aren't long enough. Their, their legs aren't long enough to, to reach the pedal. And so you got one kid up there trying to steer, another kid pushing the accelerator, another kid trying to, you know, say, hey, there's a car coming or, you know, you can merge on the interstate right now. And how do you think that's going to go? <laughs> Not too well. That's like, that's what happens. That's what it feels like really to everybody involved, whether you're on the, you're, whether you're the one with the feelings that are ruling over you or you're the one whose significant other or friend or family member is the ones letting their feelings rule over them. Either way, it is not going to end well. There's a reason why we should manage our feelings. I mean, if you think about we don't allow ourselves to run around and just say whatever cuss word comes to mind. Why don't we do that? I mean, we're thinking it. Why don't we just say it? Well, there's a lot of reasons for that. <laughs> and I'm imagining the people that are listening, you know, you're thinking of all the reasons why you wouldn't just, well, one reason you might lose your job if you did that at work. Um, you might lose friends. Uh, you have to think about that. Uh, people that are being driven by their feelings don't do so much of that logical processing. They tend to be more um, impulsive. That's what being ruled by your feelings does. Because like I said, feelings by themselves are wonderful, wonderful things. We're not talking about just feelings. We're talking about when someone allows themselves to be ruled by their feelings, when they are not managing them. You know, other examples, because feelings can be, if you don't manage them well, like children. You love them. You do. Um, but you don't want them to just run the show. So I guess another example would be, you know, if you went out to, to a restaurant and there was a family that came in and had like five kids and you're glad for them. Awesome. Good family. You know, way to go. And they proceed to sit down and eat and let their kids just run throughout the whole entire restaurant. Just yelling and screaming and grabbing and snatching things off people's tables and crawling under people's tables and you know, doing all kinds of stuff, that probably wouldn't be a very good thing. There's nothing wrong with children. Children are awesome. But when you let them just run amok and you don't try to manage them at all, that's kind of what it's like in someone's life and the lives of the people that they're trying to be in relationships with when the feelings are not being managed, when they're allowed to rule over somebody. Also, when you're in a relationship with somebody who might lash out, it's, it's kind of scary. Um, I don't know how many listeners right now have had that experience when you're never really quite sure. And sometimes people that uh, are abusing substances also lose control of managing their feelings and they might lash out. And, you know, say things and do things very impulsively that are scary. And if you have to live in that situation with someone like that, then it's almost like you can't ever really relax if they're around. Because you're never quite sure when one of their feelings is just going to jump out and, you know, lash out at, at, at anyone around. So... It's just not a good idea to let this happen. 
Now, earlier I said some of the people in the neighborhood might say, oh, my gosh, you know, give the person a break. You know, they're having a hard time. And I said, absolutely, that that's true. So you do need to look at the pattern of someone. If if you're in a relationship with someone and they are impulsive with their feelings and they get ruled by their feelings and it happens just once in a blue moon um, because they're particularly stressed or something going on at work or, you know, maybe they're having they're going through a, a really hard custody battle. Um, maybe they're facing a divorce or any number of things that could cause people to really just be impatient and short with others and just kind of lash out with some anger or some irritability. Um, that's called being human. Uh, we all do that. If anybody says they don't do that, they are lying. We all do that. And we absolutely need to have grace and forgiveness for one another and just kind of be there uh, for each other when that kind of thing is going on. What I'm talking about more is someone who repetitively lets their feelings just run amok to where the person finds themselves apologizing repeatedly, 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 repeatedly over months and years for their behavior, but yet the behavior continues. You know, I tried to explain this to one of my patients one time and I said, you know, how would it, how would it feel if I got up out of my chair and walked over and just punched you in the face and then said, oh my gosh, I'm so, so sorry. I don't know what came over me. Um, I should not have done that. I will try my very best never to do that again. Please forgive me. Please give me grace. And my patient would say, okay. And then I said, what if I did that to you the second time you came in? And then the third time. And every time you came in, I punched you. And then I apologized profusely. How many times would you put up with that before you would stop coming to see me? And they just kind of sat and looked at me. I'm like, well, I would hope, actually, that you might stop after the first time. That you would put a boundary down and say, this is not appropriate. You know, she's got some issues, and I'm going to see another therapist. <laughs> but, you know, we're in relationships sometimes with people who have repetitive behavior that they may not, they may or may not acknowledge. They do it, and then they apologize. Now, some people don't apologize. They just let their feelings rule over them. They, their feelings are just running them up through the neighborhood, just like digging up holes in people's yards and mowing down their bushes and breaking their windows and all kinds of stuff. And it's just, and they come out and they, you know, they might just totally ignore it and say, you know, too bad for you for living near me. You know, those are somewhat easier to deal with because then you're like, okay, except if maybe if that person happens to be like, if you're a child and that person is your parent or, you know, a, a spouse or a, a very close friend or something like that, those relationships, that's harder. Um, naturally, normally people try to be understanding and they try to think, okay, well, why is this person so upset? Why are they letting their feelings rule them and run amok through the neighborhood? The The vast majority of people do try to be understanding and do extend quite a bit of grace. Then you have another situation where the person does the same thing and then, then they apologize. They say their feelings are out running amok through the neighborhood, again, crashing windows and mowing down people's shrubbery, digging up their flowers and 
you know, all kinds of stuff, you know, knocking down their fencing and vandalizing their cars and all kinds of stuff. And then they come out and they apologize profusely and try as hard as they can to fix all the all the damage that has been done, but they can't ever really fix it all, but they give it their best shot. And then nothing may happen for maybe a few weeks. And then out their feelings come again, running them back through the neighborhood, doing the exact same thing, crashing the windows, vandalizing the cars, digging up the flowers. So in this instance, my question would be, how many times would you allow someone's feelings running amok to run into your yard and dig up your flowers and break your windows and deface your property before you put a boundary up. They keep apologizing and they keep doing it. You know, something I have said to people, you know, my practice, if somebody is truly repentant, to repent means to turn away from. So, We're all, you know, we're all a mess, really. We all have problems, and we spend our life trying to hopefully get better. But when someone is truly repentant, you should not see continued behavior like that. They shouldn't have to keep apologizing for the very same thing, because if they are, then their behavior is not changing, which means they have not turned away from it. And... And I'll talk a little bit about, you know, what if that person happens to be you? You know, there, there might be somebody listening who they feel like, my gosh, she's talking about me. I'm the one that whose feelings are running around in the neighborhood, just running amok. And by the neighborhood, I mean all your relationships, everybody around you. But if it's a situation where someone keeps doing it and they keep apologizing, but they keep doing it, you know, you have the right to set a boundary and say, okay, that's, no, this is not okay. I'm sorry that you're having trouble with your feelings ruling you and you're having trouble managing your feelings, but I cannot continue to allow this to happen to my yard. This is just costing me too much money and too much time that I don't have having to keep repairing and repainting my house and putting tires on my car and doing all these things that, you know, your feelings running amok through the neighborhood have destroyed. So at some point when, when they keep doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it, even if they're apologizing, that becomes irrelevant. Is the behavior changing? If somebody wants to change the behavior, then it will change. Now, I think now is a good time to just talk briefly about a, a book that Henry Cloud and John Townsend wrote. And this is not the Boundaries book that I'm referring to. It's a book called Safe People. I thoroughly enjoy the book. I would highly recommend it because we do need to evaluate the relationships that we're in to determine, is this a safe person? And I'm bringing it up now because if you happen to be in a relationship with someone who is letting their feelings rule them, they're letting their feelings run amok through the neighborhood repetitively, this is not a safe situation. And you have a right and a responsibility, I would say, to set up a boundary. Um, And we can talk later in another episode about when you set boundaries, many times the other person doesn't like it and they get angry with you and call you names and say that you're hateful and all kinds of things. And you have a right to set a boundary. And the other person may or may not 
agree with you. They may or may not understand what you're doing or why you're doing it, and they certainly probably aren't going to approve. But you have a right to do it anyway. But determining if the people that you are in close relationships with are safe or unsafe is very important. Now, what does being responsible for your feelings look like? First of all, being willing to take an open and honest look at your behavior. Now, that all by itself is a pretty big task. Because I've noticed that a lot of people tend to be defensive. They do not want to look at their behavior because it's going to be uncomfortable because they don't necessarily want to change it or they don't want to know why they're behaving the way that they are. They don't want to be held accountable, almost like a small child. So that would be the first thing. Be willing to take a look, an open and honest look at your own behavior. And again, that's not an easy thing to do, but it's very important. Another thing is asking yourself, what feedback are you receiving from other people, from from your neighbors? What kind of feedback are you receiving from them? And whatever feedback that you're getting, is it just from one person or is it from quite a few people? You know, for example, if you just have one neighbor who is constantly fussing at you about something, but all the rest of your neighbors are fine. None of, the, none of the other neighbors in your neighborhood have anything negative to say. They, they're not suggesting that you have any kind of unhealthy behavior patterns at all. They get along with you just fine. You get along with them just fine. It's just this one particular neighbor. Well, that would indicate that there's something going on just with in that one relationship, not necessarily something that resides with you. But if you're being open and honest and you look around and you do have to say, you know, if I am being open and honest, I will have to say that probably everybody in this neighborhood, save maybe one or two, has fussed at me about my feelings running amok in the neighborhood at one point or another. Some people are more boisterous about their feedback. And some are more shy, some are trying to be nice with it, some really don't care how they present it. But if I'm really being open and honest, I will have to say that, okay, the vast majority of people in my neighborhood have commented on my unhealthy behavior. In this particular case, we're talking about feelings running amok and letting them rule us. And another thing to think about is how long... Have you been receiving this information? Have your neighbors been, you know, giving you this feedback about your behavior for like a month? Or have you been receiving this feedback for a year at the different neighbors? And I know you had different neighbors move in and out of the houses around you and you've been there for a really long time. If you really stop and open your mind and your heart to take an honest look How long have your neighbors been giving you this information about your feelings, about them ruling you? Has it been a month? Has it been a year? Has it been a decade? How long has it been? How many people, how many people that have moved in and out of all these houses have come to you with very similar complaints? 
about how your feelings are running amok all over the neighborhood. And like I said, a lot of people don't want to hear this because they don't want to do anything about it. So they'll just ignore the feedback or they just don't want to think about it. That's what, that's why I said number one thing is being willing to take an open and honest look at your behavior and the feedback that your neighbors are giving you because they will give you feedback. Now, some of them will be more shy about it because they don't want to hurt your feelings. And some are more bold, some are obnoxious. You know, there's all, there's all kinds of people out there, but most people give it enough interaction with you. If your feelings are ruling you and they're running them up through the neighborhood, they're going to say something. And so then another point to make is that if you are receiving feedback from numerous neighbors over a rather long period of time, maybe you need some help in the form of therapy. Some people think they can just fix all their issues by themselves. They don't need, I don't need to go to therapy. You know, therapy is for other people. No, I know I'm a therapist and I'm very biased. I'll admit that openly. I think everybody should have therapists. I've been in therapy before. It was very helpful. Life is hard. Life is complicated. People are complicated. And I don't see how anybody really can live their best life without having a therapist to help you do it, to help you navigate this labyrinth. Sometimes it can feel like a war zone. So, you know, if you have possibly been receiving feedback from numerous neighbors over a long period of time that something's off, they're tired of dealing with your feelings running amok everywhere, then find a therapist. You know, there's all different ways of doing that, but just get some help, get some support. You won't have to be alone. And when you go to therapy, because just, just contacting a therapist isn't, that's not the end. Because I've known people that will show up to therapy because everyone around them is saying, dude, you got to get into therapy. And so they go, but then either they're not honest because they don't really want to face their own behavior. Or they come for a few days so they can turn around and tell all their neighbors that they tried therapy and it's and it sucked. And they never really tried. They had no intention of trying. All right. So the last step would be. If, if you need some help, if you need some therapy, then be honest with your therapist. And therapy should be a non-judgmental place where it's safe to be honest, where you're not going to be judged. So be honest with your therapist. You might even consider bringing one of those close neighbors in. You know, your neighbor might be a, a, a close family member or a close friend you know, bring them in one for one or two sessions and, and let them give the therapist their observations of your behavior. That will be helpful. And be open to the change that is suggested by your therapist. Your therapist more than likely will give you some homework assignments, things to do to try to change things up, to teach you some skills that maybe you didn't learn along the way, uh, some ways of disciplining your children. Uh, if we look at your feelings being like your children, Again, we love our children, but we can't let them just run amok. There needs to be some management. So maybe you just didn't really learn how to manage 
your feelings, even if you possibly do have bipolar disorder or borderline personality disorder, that's okay. There's still ways of learning how to manage your feelings. So I hope this episode has been helpful on how to be responsible with your feelings and not letting them rule you. So until next time, this is Dana on Phoenix and Flame.